0: Once again, I guess they could go back and forth because the school said, "Hey, we we can't keep him here. He needs to go home." Parents like, "Well, we are not going home, so he's got to stay here." But at at some point, I'll bring it up in a second. But the culpability still it it does lie with the school still. But if you're like, if well, you're a parent be, though, if you're a parent, how about, do you just let how you just let that happen? I would be going home for the day from my job just yeah, to talk to right, my son.
1: Right. So, I, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just, the, the school thing bothers me at this point because I'm thinking, okay, I understand if you say, hey, you should probably, we should probably send your son home with you. And they say, I'm not going home. They still need to be like, listen, we do not feel like for the safety of the rest of the school and all of these other kids that we is our responsibility to take care of while they're here. This kid is not going to stay here today. Yeah. And then, and then it should have been all on the parents.
0: I, I agree. I agree. But once again, if I'm a parent, I should have said, hey, my kid's not staying at school today because we're going to go home and I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to see what's right. up because he's obviously under distress. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking into this here edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes, sir. And today I have a question for you, sir. I want to know Uh if you know this little bit of trivia. Okay, this comes from uh, a little website, 500 Mostly Useless Facts. It says the most common street name in the US is Second Street. My question to you is how does that make sense? (laughs) How does that make sense? The most common street name in the
1: U.S. is Second Street. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I always wonder where they come up with names for roads at. Okay, but check this out.
0: Okay, so in order for there to be a Second Street, don't you imagine there has to be a First Street? (laughs) So how could Second Street be the most common? That means there must be towns without First Streets but Second Streets.
1: So what if there was a first street, and then they put a second street, but then they had to get rid of the first street, and now first street doesn't count anymore? I or they, cha- they had to change the name of it to something else? I guess. <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. That's the, only lo- that's the only logical explanation I've got.
0: Other than that, unless we're just playing with semantics here, and there's main streets, and there's first streets, and so by that little you know bit of of, of a divide in the wording, then second uh-huh. street takes the cake. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just, I found that to be quite perplexing for my brain. It's so simple and yet I don't get it. And, and maybe the website's wrong. I don't know. But if it's true, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> so what about, uh, what, what distinguishes a street from a road?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Is there an
1: actual thing there? Uh, pro-
0: probably. I, I don't know. Streets to me are like in towns. Roads are like in, you know, in the county, in, in the, in the woods, in the, in the, uh, more rural parts. Of the area, so okay. you, you know you don't have like a, a first road or a second road. You have first street, second street, but then you have you know Hopewell Road. Hello, so um,
1: that are you, is. Are you on a are you on a street right now or on a road? I am in a court. <laughs> Lame,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> um, I live in a, a cul de sac. So my address is actually court, but like the street leads to each cul-de-sac each court drive name or whatever yeah so gotcha, uh, okay. I, actually i i, I that, that's not right drive is is the thing that leads to the courts oh in uh, so the street so the
1: street it, so does it, me, so does a drive lead to something yeah so
0: so the street is here then the drive goes this way and then you've got courts that that shoot off to each side so yeah a street i think has has a, a front and a back and like a drive can, it can dead end, and courts are okay. courts going to cul-de-sacs. I don't know. That's the best I've got from my from my okay. experience where I'm at right it now.
1: Makes sense. It makes sense. I, I guess I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to take that as gospel. And that's what I'm going to remember from now on. I,
0: I guarantee you, just because I don't know the answer doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. So you can definitely Google the difference between streets and drives and courts. And, and there's a bunch of them Throughways, I don't know. There's all kinds of, all kinds <laughs> of good stuff. Yeah.
1: I think I don't ever have to live on a throughway. I, I think terrible. that's a
0: thing, a, a thoroughway, something like that. So I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing, bro. So <laughs> um, at any rate, you had mentioned prior to the show that you uh, are tasting a, 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 a nice tasting beverage. Why don't you talk about that a little bit and, and tell me what's yes up.
1: on yes at, at two p.m. on a Sunday. Yes, I am. I am tasting a fourteen percent ABV beer. Nice. Um. So you know the kind of I don't know what I don't know where the story lot. Well, actually, hang on. Let's see. I'm going to read this, okay? So this is from Goose Island. Uh, This is a Bourbon County stout that they put out every Black Friday. So back in 1992, we changed the beer industry with the introduction of Bourbon County stout. Since then, year after year, the team continues to outdo themselves to bring forward amazing beers and new innovative flavors, and this year is no exception. We are still changing the way beer is appreciated and perceived as we continue to lean into the different flavor profiles that specific barrels bring to BCS. So these are all barrel aged beers, um, but I don't know. I don't know. It just says back in ninety two we we changed the industry. So I don't know if this was just a thing they decided to start doing, or what. But this year, so the one I'm tasting is a. Um, it's just their regular Bourbon County Stout. So this is their. This is the description. And tell me if you're intrigued. Our rich imperial stout is blended from a mix of bourbon barrels from distilleries such as Heaven Hill wild turkey, and buffalo trace, each aged in freshly emptied bourbon barrels for 8 to 14 months. Expect flavors of chocolate and vanilla, oak, whiskey, and molasses, followed by caramel berry fruit and almond.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm intrigued. But for anybody out there who doesn't really, who hasn't really ventured into the uh, the uh, barrel-aged uh, mm-hmm. brews that are out there, like this one from Goose Island, you, you have to be into like bourbon whiskey uh, at least a little bit because the flavor of that really to
1: me stands out more than anything now you do you you think a a bur like a a bourbon county or something like that could be your gateway from stout to bourbon and that doesn't really make sense i don't guess like you don't have really a gateway between the two but what i'm saying is like if you're not into bourbon could you get into bourbon from like drinking bourbon county stouts?
0: Yeah, I think anything could be a gateway if you give it enough yeah. chance. You know, anything's a gateway if you try hard enough, and yeah, that, that's what <laughs> that's how it is with anything. You know, it, um, like to craft beer. You know, I, I never thought I would get into like IPAs or anything like that, but it was part of part of the uh, the journey for me, and yeah. ended up loving IPAs. Right, it became one of my faves but mm-hmm. uh but for people who who don't have this experience you, you need to you need to like be ready at least be prepared for that uh, you don't necessarily have to already be a fan i guess maybe i should say because i don't want to scare anybody away and mm-hmm. i think it very well could be a gateway but you you're, you're going to get that hit like and i i think it's great and i'm not a super big whiskey bourbon drinker i'm just not never really have been but the the barrel aged stuff that you know like like you said it's aged in those in those barrels where whiskey and bourbon once once lived and, and became of age, right? And so the flavor from those barrels seeps into that bourbon that they that they let age in there also. And it amazes me how much the, the flavor remains, you know, because it's not like they're mixed together. It was just in the wood of that barrel and, and how that really soaks in. But it's it's really good. I would also say though, one one other thing, like you've got the vanilla, the chocolate, all the berries, all the hints that you're given. I mean, you have to have a really fired up, like super, in, like uh, uh, you got to really be in touch with your palate, right? To to really right. taste all of those, because I, I, you know, I typically don't. A lot yeah. of times when they when they go down like the, the when they run through all of the the notes that you're supposed to the, to notice in something like that, I can usually pick out like maybe one or two that are that are the strongest. The rest of them, I, I, I'm really trying, like I'm really stretching, like yeah, maybe I taste some berries in there, maybe. And that might, that that might be a berry. I don't know. But usually, you know, in something like this, though, you're going to taste the beer, you're going to taste the bourbon, and you're going to taste maybe a little something else like a like a, I think chocolate stands out the most. Yeah, your
1: your chocolate, your your caramel, uh, you know, and your vanilla for me normally are the ones that like really pop. Yeah.
0: You know,
1: uh, oak. I don't know what oak tastes like.
0: You've never tasted oak?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, but yeah. It, it so tastes anyway, like what so, you're drinking. Yeah. So what they put out this year, that was the regular regular bourbon county. Then they put out a bourbon county cherry wood stout, which I bought one of those. Uh they have a bourbon county reserve 150 stout. Let's see. I'm intrigued by this one, but I didn't wasn't able wasn't able to get one. So a Goose Island Bourbon County double barrel toasted barrel stout toasted hmm. have you had a beer that's considered toasted
0: uh it seems like i've had a toasted something
1: i had one but from what? i don't remember what no that was smoked have you had a smoked one smoked I, ones I are good too.
0: yeah those are those are weird it's you could taste the smoked yeah smoked has a taste
1: yeah um let's see so then they also have a bourbon county reserve blanton stout Bourbon County Classic Cola Stout, which I did buy one of those. I'm excited to know what that t- tastes like. Uh, the 14 Stout, which is what I've been told is the best one they put out this year. And then a proprietor stout. I'm not going to go into all of like the description for all of those mm-hmm. or anything. But um, I, I think it's interesting because it's in. they put it out in such limited quantity that only certain places get a hold of it. And they can only sell a certain amount of it. So like I bought mine at Schnucks um, because it's the only place around here that I know has it. And they have one end cap as soon as you walk in. And it's just that one end cap. It's not like over by the beer section and stuff. It's like one end cap. And they have their regular bourbon stout and they have three other variants. Well, you can get as many of the bourbon stouts as you want. But when it comes to the variant, you have to choose one and you can get one of those. That's it. That's all you can do. That's crazy. Now, last year, I went in there and I tried to get them and I I read the sign and I wanted to make sure I understood it. So, I asked the woman and the woman was like, well, here's the deal. Uh, technically, you can only get this, but if you were to buy it and then go out to your truck and put it in your truck and then come back in, it's technically considered a separate purchase, so we're not going to say anything if you do it. Uh, so, you I walked out and that. went back
0: in like 10 times.
1: No, I would have, I could have, but I actually just had my wife go (laughs) and she did it. But this time, uh, I had my wife go the second time around and I just had her try to get to one of each of the variants, even though you're not supposed to. So she was smart enough to go through the Mm self-checkout because most of the time at self-checkout, at least in Schnucks, all you got to do is like, Hey, I got to buy alcohol. And they're just like, they push a button and you're good. And they don't even ask or see what you've got. Yeah. So, but yeah, I ended up with all the ones that I could get a hold of.
0: That's good, man. And, and stouts, yeah. I think stouts are something special, of course. And the dark beers are really, that that was really what what uh, hooked me into craft beer altogether. You know, specifically, mm-hmm. it was the Urban Chestnut uh, dunkel Dorf beer, but dark beers the stouts i love them and it's that time of year it's it's the time of year if you're a craft craft beer drinker you know that the cold weather and the nice really dark thick beers the stouts mm, they're just i don't know it's just it's something very warming about it this weather of course it's been kind of warm out too mild now to to really talk about that but your winter time is just the right time for a good stout beer
1: right uh so have you i'm trying to think have you seen anybody like? Barrel age a beer in a rum barrel, is that a, is that not a really a thing? I don't really hear that. I hear yeah, that. I mean, I, I can't. I don't know, but I don't know I, how I, they. But, go. I don't know how they go together. The reason why I asked, because I know you're a big fan of like that Myers Rum. Mm-hmm. And I could see you falling in love with like a a a good stout barrel aged in like a Myers yeah. Rum barrel. I, I want That's say, a thing. But I don't know how they connect. I, I want to
0: say that it is. I want to say, but I, I don't have any direct reference. Um, gotcha. The chances are that if if it was correct, and I got a hold of some, I wasn't going to remember because I drank too much of it. That <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> but no, I, I I prefer the the dark rum, the Myers dark rum, and the Kraken is a really good. And I, there's probably some more like more expensive dark rums out there that I haven't really tried, but uh, I do like that. And that that does sound tasty, and I think that would go well together with a good like a stout a beer if they would yeah. do such such a thing. Anyone out there that yeah. happens to be listening. Feel free to uh, venture into that territory. I mean, we have plenty
1: of people we could talk to and ask.
0: True, that's true, that's true. Uh, So yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, Getting uh, getting a little toasty on on a Sunday afternoon,
1: doing some podcasting. Football on, and it's it's kind of starting to get like nasty outside. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, dude, Mm -hmm. it was eighty degrees in December the other day. Do you understand that? That is ridiculous.
0: I know Uh, the weather is crazy. Yeah. I think, and I think it's driving people crazy.
1: Scary. I think, it's,
0: think? I think it's driving everybody crazy. You know, um, there's, I've, I've been seeing reports about, and I actually read this not too long ago in the New York Times. I think I sent you the article today was one of them I sent. Uh, and it's about how people are the, the, the record, there's a record number of people who are quitting their jobs mm-hmm. and, and they're saying, I quit emphatically, right? Like, like, this is a trend. It's a thing for people to quit their jobs and it just fly in the face of, like, their bosses and, and their corporate masters and, like, the idea that you have me trapped in this job because I get paid to do this service, and apparently they're really unhappy. And they're, like, it's they're celebrating the fact that they can just quit in their face.
1: Yeah, did you say that? Did you say that they're calling them quit talks? (laughs) Yes, quit talks, as opposed to TikToks.
0: But yeah, they're videoing it,
1: and it's a there's got to there's got to be a lot of fake ones in there though too. Because you, if you go through TikTok videos, man, TikTok drives me insane. Yeah, we don't have to go down this road, but TikTok, most videos on TikTok are like people, like miming other like a comedy you know, people doing comedy or something. And I'm like, what what why would I want to watch this?
0: That drives me nuts. That it, yeah, it drives me nuts. And stupid. I think it's I think this is a perfect road to go down actually. You know, because okay. because yeah, there there is some like and we can get into this and we will in a minute, but there's some like responsibility issues, even if you if you hate your job and because the like the 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 job environment is shifting so much and, and there's a lot of perception shifting as to what is I guess even right and wrong, you know, relative, you know, to the situation it's very subjective, but you know, what, what is like appropriate and not, and, and where's your response, responsibility lie? Like, even if you don't like your employer or the job or whatever, you know, what, you know, what is responsible, what's not, and, and what's the best thing to do. But um, it, it's, you're right. This, this quit talker thing is a, it's it's like another uh, symptom, basically of this larger problem that we have, of this and TikTok you're right is rife with it. I watch a lot of reels now on Facebook too. I watch that more than TikTok. I don't really get on TikTok hardly ever, but the reels I see on Facebook quite a bit. It's the same thing. It, it's it's like TikTok videos. They say they come from Instagram. And yeah. it's um just these little short clips and a lot of them are people miming other other TikToks even. You're just miming other and the, and the reaction videos. No offense to anybody out there, really. But these have you seen these reaction videos where one guy's sitting there watching the TikTok it's a split screen and over here is the TikTok and this guy is either laughing or shaking his head or whatever. Why? Right. Why? What yeah. what what are we getting out of this as a society? I mean it's not even Absolutely not. it's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not even commentary. I mean it's it's just uh. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I think a lot of people try to ride they, they try to give a reaction to a TikTok that is popular already so that their reaction can
1: also ride off of the popularity of the TikTok, right? I think, now I could be wrong, and this was quite a few years ago that I seen this, but I think maybe the reaction video started when there was a video that went around, I don't know if it was on a radio show or what, but there was a video going around a Bob Saget watching two girls, one cup. Mm. And it was a reaction video.
0: Yeah, I do remember I that never remember,
1: I never remembered a reaction video before that. Yeah. So I wonder if that started it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe.
0: And that was a YouTube thing, right? Is that what you said?
1: I, th- I think it, so. It was. It was quite a few years ago, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And then they started doing that a little more often. Because that yeah. was... That, that was, as as I remember now, it seems like everybody started watching The Two Girls in One Cup. And what they would do is they, they like, somebody who had watched it and already grossed out and vomited would bring somebody in who hadn't watched it yet. And so they would right. sit there with them and yep. watch it and watch as they, you know, spilled their guts because it was just so nasty. Yeah. And so that was the fun of it. You get to gross right. out your friends, which, which was always the fun of it. It's like, hey, have you ever seen Two Girls in, in One Cup? you haven't right. seen it, dude, go check it out now. You Go straight home, get on the internet, check it out. I, I promise you will not be disappointed. And, <laughs> y- and you were everything. You were so disappointed, like beyond disappointed. <laughs> you, wanted, you wanted to scrub your eyeballs with soap. It, it was right. the nastiest thing at that point in time, at least, that I had ever seen. Yeah. And uh, that was the whole fun of it, though. And then I, in turn, told my friends who had never seen it, hey, man, you want a good video to watch? Go check this out two right. girls one cup. So yeah, that you I think you're right. I think that was like the first reaction type of video. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, now, I I have
1: no I have no desire to watch other people react to other uh, things. Now there, there's some funny stuff on TikTok. I I'm not saying it's all terrible and stupid, but you have to find it. Like you mm-hmm. got to search and I'm not I'm not invested enough in TikTok to do that.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And and another thing, Facebook gets me to, I and probably YouTube, wherever they come from, I don't know, but there's so much fakeness out there, like these pranks that they set up, these elaborate pranks, and it's obvious that the people, everybody's involved in it. it it's a staged thing, but it's but they act like it's not, dude. I, and they get like thousands upon thousands of views, and and, and I get it. This is where I think I get I see this a lot on all the clickbaity stuff, like Vice. I follow Vice and uh, the Huff Post and all these people. They're so clickbaity, right? Because they they put on articles out there that they know is going to provoke at least one side or another on any given topic, they're gonna provoke some kind of like outrage. And outrage may be a strong word for some of the some of the comments that you get, you know, some of the the provocation that actually happens, but they know that they're pushing buttons. All right. Mm -hmm. So they might say something like, you know, um, The Beatles, you know, has now uh, been uh, decided by experts that the Beatles were the worst band in the world. So, what do you think is going to happen? Even though it's so stupid and ridiculous, people are going to get in there and comment, at least to say, you know, this, this, uh, this website or this, uh, this whatever has gone way downhill. You guys suck. I don't know. You must have your heads way up your butts. You know, your heads are in the same whatever. But they're getting you to respond to it, and that's all they need because that that equals. Uh, avenue, uh, uh, revenue, ad dollars, right? So they're they're able to get people to get on there and then argue with each other and things like that, and that's what like the world is all about right now. Everything is clickbait, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I've got the title that I haven't worked on anything yet. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna write a, a paper on it or something, but it's just called "Stop Clicking." You know, and I, I feel it. I want to sometimes, like I want to get on there. I want to click, right? I want to say. You, all you people are ridiculous for getting on here commenting, but guess what I got to do in order to do that? I've got to get on there and comment. Uh, Right. (laughs) Completely defeats the purpose. There's no winning in the situation except to stop clicking, except to ignore it. Yeah. That's, and that's mostly what I see on TikTok and and everything nowadays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I don't have the, I don't have the. I don't know. I, I I don't, I don't, I don't want to invest the time in it. I don't, it, it, it there's nothing there that benefits me. Now there could be, There maybe there's videos out there of like, you know, teaching me how to do stuff. Like maybe I could learn how to do on TikTok that are, you know, cause you know, probably there may be construction companies out there that have a TikTok and they're just like putting out one minute videos on how to do this or how to do that in your house or whatever. Mm-hmm. That cool. I mean, that that's beneficial, but I I don't care about what your reaction is to Nelly's new song. I, I don't. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and the worst part is, it's most of it is TikToks react. Or it's reactions to other TikToks. Yeah. It's TikToks that already happened, and now you're reacting to
1: it. It's like right. Yeah. I, I just. But anyway, so so what you were saying was you were we started with this with the quit talk thing. Um. So it's an inter- interesting subject because we're talking about the business thinking they have businesses thinking they have the upper hand because they think that their people can't afford uh to leave. Yes. And t- the tides are turning, right? Like we're uh things are flipping. At least over the last year, I think the government giving out all of these extra you know all this extra money and stuff like that to people, I think that has really opened people's not that necessarily but being in a position where they're getting More money, by not having to work, has opened their eyes to uh, that, you know, maybe I'm not as helpless as these businesses think we are.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think more than anything, from what I can see and hear, is that there was a little bit of a reset. There was just enough time for people to sit back. And and this is all thank you to COVID, you know, to the pandemic and, and the ensuing lockdown. We had just enough time to sit back and think, because you know most of the time we're we're working forty hours per week. we're We're doing the hustle bustle. you you, you work, you come home, you, you do your thing at the home, whether it's kids or you know your hobbies, whatever you're doing. And you wake up repeat. everybody's working for the weekend, right? But mm-hmm. th- we had a reset where we could sit back and say, "You know what? I kind of like this for one thing. A- and And I think I can find ways to do this more often or, I can see now that they need us more than a lot more than we need them, you know. And yeah, we need money. We we got to survive, and we still have to have a job. But guess what? You know, there's there's a lot of jobs out there, and I'm not saying they're all equal. Um, but I think that enough of that, you know, enough people had jobs where they were in the mundane, they were in the um, the type of jobs where they could find another one, at least. Close to what they were making now, and close to maybe even the job satisfaction. So if they didn't like one, they could go to the other, or they could go to the other. And so in the job market right now, it's just what it seems um, is that the the jobs need the employees more than you know than the vice versa. Not that people don't need jobs, but they can go and find another one. So right. I guess my question is though, what I mean, how does that? Because I know that that you are are really big on responsibility as you should be it's it's a it's a great trait to have but when it comes to that I mean how how like where's the line where do you draw the line if there's a job you know that the the employer has not seen your true value they really haven't like they don't at the end of the day at the end of the day they don't have your best interest at heart right and you know this and you finally come to this 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 realization right this epiphany that you know what I I can be a more master of my own fate, you know, and I can start with this right here, this job, and I can go and I can I can do a quick a quick talk. Um, what's your feelings on that, as far as from your perspective?
1: Knowing your worth and your value is a very important thing, and, I, and this may be a discussion that we've had before, and I might say the same things that I've said before, but knowing your value and your worth is a very important thing, but also not having an arrogance about it and also not having um, like being too overconfident in your, like really being able to look at at what you think you bring to the table for a company or for a business or whoever you work for and knowing that, you know, just because you're not happy with the job doesn't mean you need to go make a quit talk right now, Like That's not how, that's not how this works, you know? Uh, but the other side of it is is the business side. Like a lot of people are saying right now that businesses need to be worried about taking care of the people that they have that are their true employees that they've had for a, a long time who have been there day in and day out doing their job. They need to take care of those people before they start taking care of new people to bring in, right? Mm. Um I think that I think that's important. And I've seen places where people have been there for, you know, five years. Don't really miss work. They're great employees, things like that. And all of a sudden, well, we're we're, we're having trouble hiring people. So let's go ahead and raise the wage that we hire people in at, which kind of screws over the rest of the people in the in the place, right? Especially if you didn't raise their wage. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what gets me, um, but that's where the whole thing comes in. Of okay, do are you really worth what you think you're worth to that company? You know, or do will your skills translate to go somewhere else? Is it beneficial for you to do that? And are you in a financial position to be able to do that? Because that's the thing too: is this government money is going to go away at some point, right? So you still have to be able to survive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. I- very practical i think your perspective is just don't burn your bridges especially you know right. especially too soon because you have no guarantees that yeah the job market is what it is right now and seems like the employees have the upper hand for now but that's always subject to change and and that and i think that it will change you know i think that there's going to be a point to where this all the pendulum always goes one way and then all the way to the other and I think that you know, at some point in time, it's going to have to swing back the other way to put the employers back, you know, on top because it's where all the all the resources are coming from. But very practical, not burning bridges. Um, in principle, you know, I guess it just kind of depends uh, if you feel like you thumbing your nose to your boss is is warranted, and maybe they've been a real jerk, and, and this this quit talk is, I think it's more than just thumbing your nose to your boss. though, isn't it, isn't it performative? Isn't it to show the world and, and anything that becomes a trend. Um, plus you might get, you know, a million views, who knows, that would be awesome. Right. So I get a million views. And if I really, really perform well during this quit talk, then um, it's going to go viral and people are going to know me. And I would imagine that that trend would spread even further and it's going to, I'm going to have a, you know, a hand in that. So that would be awfully neat. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think if you're not, you have people who are not happy in their jobs, but it's because they're not going to be happy in any job because they're just not a happy person or they're lazy or whatever, you know, but you have people who are in a job that they're literally just not happy with. And if you can do anything to get out of that and go somewhere else, then you need to be working on that. But too many people are just sitting back and like, well, I hate my job, but what else is there? And now we're at a point where people are like, there's plenty of other stuff out there. I just have to go for it. Yeah. But first I got to film myself quitting here because that's going to be awesome. (laughs) Right. Which, you know, to each
0: their own. I just This this is just the opinion of two guys. But, you know, it it seems like there's a revenge type of, like motive in our society nowadays. It's all about, you know, getting, it's my time now. So me getting revenge on whoever it is I feel like is the reason that I'm disenfranchised or that I am, you know, not higher up on the, on the the upper, you know, the echelon, uh, the reason why yeah. I'm still making minimum wage or whatever. And you know there are there are a lot of things that go into that. For a lot of people, that probably is true that it is somebody else's fault and, and it's the it's the system's fault. You know, it, it's just the way that things are because the rich keep getting richer, and you you know the rest. But I think it would probably also behoove at least most people to take introspection and say, okay, but like what you're saying is what I feel like you're saying at least is okay. What is my responsibility for this? What can I do to better myself in this market since there are more opportunities. And, and maybe that's what these folks are doing. You know, I don't want to sell anybody short. Maybe they're doing their quit talk and then going and, and you know, just kicking butt somewhere. They're, now they're climbing the ladder, right? Because they just got this epiphany and they're off to right. the races. You know, I just, I, it, by the looks of it, it looks like it's just performative and they are doing this in who knows what they're thinking, but I don't know. It just, it just seems like it's for, it's more for fun than it is for
1: progression Right. Well, one thing I did want to mention is in that article that you sent me, they were talking about uh, people not just not just TikTok, but using other forms of social media to step down or to to quit their jobs. And they mentioned uh, what's his name? What's the other guy that was it? Twitter?
0: Yeah, Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey
1: uh, stepped they, down. They mentioned they, they mentioned him, but I don't think that that's the same thing as as this. Uh, He may have made a public statement saying that he's stepping down, but he's also a huge name, and he created Twitter. Um, But I think his statement when he stepped down was basically saying that he never, like, his goal is not to have a company that he has to be over the top of all the time. Like, at some point, he should be able to step away from it, and he's got other ventures he's going towards. So he was he was stepping down.
0: I would say if Jack Dorsey did a twit a Twitter, a tweet, if he, if he quit his, (laughs) if he, if that's how he quit being CEO of Twitter after the meeting at Twitter, I would, I would imagine. But if that's how he told everybody that he was stepping down, how many tens of millions of followers does he have on Twitter? So it's not like, you know, he's telling basically everybody, he's telling the world when he does that, it's the same thing as putting it on broadcast news, except more, much more. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't think it's the same. I agree with you there. But I, I think yeah, they would just use really, that as a reference.
1: I, yeah. I really think we should bring the word twit back. Well, didn't that used to be an insult? Yeah, you twit. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got a lot of fire behind it, right? hmm
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think we could do that. Just a grassroots effort to bring twit back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hashtag like bring twit back. So I like it. Um <laughs> Yeah, just it's interesting though the the way that things and, and things that make news, you know, because that's people doing quit talks and, and and you know things like that. They they seem so small in comparison to other things, like for instance the school shooting, the latest one in Oxford, Michigan, right? So mm-hmm. this was a young man who had gone to school, had there was some alarming things that had happened the morning of the shooting parents were well not just the morning but it happened uh, over time and the parents were called in on the morning of the shooting to discuss these things and then the parents left went back to their jobs because they said there was no way that he could come home today and later on he shot and killed four people i believe uh, four students at the school and so there's a now there's also a lot of uh, in this case there are a lot of questions about responsibility about culpability about you know could this have been stopped should the people who were involved in these meetings including his parents and the school should they have done something to uh to to off this this whole incident from happening you know so a lot of questions and, and all, there and,
1: and also the comparison of this one to other school shootings and like what like how you know parents are uh you know, in legal trouble for this stuff, too, right? which we haven't we haven't seen in the past, yeah, at least as far as I know.
0: i I agree. I've never you know because you had the Columbine shootings and we had mm. the um, Sandy Hook shootings. And there's been a lot. there's been a lot of shootings you know, across the country over the past you know fifteen, twenty years, whatever. Well, something Uh, that
1: was really disheartening was one of the articles that you had sent me about this was that it said uh, that this was the biggest school shooting since uh, Sandy Hook in 2018. But just that sentence was like disheartening to me because it was like the biggest one since 2018. Like it should be a lot longer than that ago, right? We're talking three years ago.
0: Yeah. Now for a lot of reasons that has been a target, which is scary. I have kids, you know, Mm -hmm. I have kids and, and it's something I think about all the time. It's something a lot of parents think about. You know, I I have a friend who you can find them online and I I forget the price of them. They might've been like 75 to a hundred dollars, but their backpacks, uh, I think they're lined with, um, is Teflon? Um, they're bulletproof backpacks that sh- that kids can wear, so that if they're running away, they get shot in the back. It won't, you know, it'll it'll ward off the bullet, and and they can also shield themselves with it. And that's the day and age we live in, you know, where in our country you, you can be shot, and so we get our kids bulletproof backpacks. That's that's insane. Do we, do we
1: have any idea how big this skull was? Like any, any idea at all? I I don't. I don't. I don't know. I just wonder. I mean, and this 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 could be totally, you know, totally wrong because you know any kid can be can have issues, you know, and can have mental problems, have a bad home life, and it doesn't really matter what size the school is, right? However, in my brain, I would think that smaller schools that this wouldn't happen as much because kids don't fall through the cracks as easy in small schools now it doesn't sound like this school was too big that they didn't see the writing on the wall a little bit because they did have a meeting with the parents mm-hmm. in, in uh, about the kid in this situation. But, you know, we've got schools even in our area that are so big that, you know, a school that I went to, if I was a freshman, I knew all the seniors. Like I knew by name and face all the seniors. Like that's how small my school was but there are schools around us that are so big that most people don't know most of the other people. You can't tell me that the ratio is good from teachers to students in you know in a massive school like that kids have to be able to fall through the cracks pretty easily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think in school in general, it's kids are falling through the cracks way too often. And it's because not just because of there's so many kids, but with so many kids you have so many different issues too. And so so many different dynamics and so many different parents. But let's go here to to uh, to CNN.com, and we're going to look at what they have to say here. The day before the shooting, right? On Monday, a teacher saw the suspect looking at photos of ammunition on his cell phone during class, okay, which prompted a meeting with a counselor and another staff member. During that discussion, the student told them that he and his mother had recently gone to a shooting range and that shooting sports are a family hobby, okay? Thorne wrote that, that letter, and that's one of the, the uh, school personnel. So they were on his radar, right? They were already, you already had some, some problematic behavior, right? So the question is, what do you do, all right? So this is where responsibility really starts to come into play. And it's easy to armchair quarterback to, to Monday, you know, morning quarterback, the the plays that have already happened on, on football Sunday, right? But at that point in time, ammunition, right? That that kind of that kind of just that what what comes with that, the kind of feeling that comes with a kid who's focusing on that during school, whether he's uh, in gun club uh, you know in a private gun club with his family, whether he goes to a shooting range, whatever, it has to be concerning, right? Don't we have to concern ourselves with that nowadays? Isn't that like a super big red flag to say, "Hey, stop everything
1: right now yeah um my my concern comes with the gun thing too, because apparently the gun his parents had just bought for him mm-hmm. so how is that any different from, say, like a kid who youth hunts? And stuff like that. Their parents buy them a gun and they, what if that kid were to take that gun into a school? Yeah. Are the, is, are the parents liable for that? Right. I don't, right. I don't know. I mean, but it, to me, it's the same concept. I understand the, the line of, well, you're buying this for a certain reason. It's to hunt a deer or a turkey or whatever, but still it's buying a gun for your kid. Yeah.
0: You know, no, and I, th- I think that's I think it's a relevant point. I think it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the previous shootings at Columbine and and then Sandy Hook, uh, and a, a myriad of sh- shootings other than that, of course. But those two are the ones that stick out most, mostly in our minds. This the, the parents, the responsibility of the parents it may have been like questioned in discussion, but it hasn't been questioned like these two parents are being questioned. Like like this this kid's. Uh, Mr. Crumley's que- uh, parents are being questioned uh, legally. They were being sought after by the authorities. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I for think- involuntary manslaughter, involuntary right? involuntary manslaughter—that's correct. And yeah. but I, but I think that 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 the authorities are trying to set precedent here. I, I think they're trying to do something new on purpose because something has to give. And I know a lot yeah. of people do. I mean, it's and it's something I want to get to. You know, how responsible are we for our, our children? Like if, if I, I mentioned this to you earlier, let me mention it again. If yeah, I, I want my son to be able to defend himself, all right? So I, I want him to be able to, by defend himself, I mean fight back. If, if someone is trying to beat him up, I want him to take the, 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 the necessary steps he needs to to defend himself and put the other kid on the ground enough to where he can then get away. If my kid happens to go too far, how responsible am I for that? Because I was the one who wanted him to learn how to fight, the one who wanted him to defend himself. He took it too far. So I, I put the necessary means in, in a child's hands, but he is still a child. You know, his brain's not fully developed. He's just, and he was probably scared of this other kid who was more than likely a bully, right? And so, and, and the kids who are bullies in the first place, how much responsibility do their parents have for those, for those kids' actions? Any thoughts?
1: It goes back to what I said earlier, like any kid can have a bad home life um, and many things can happen. Uh, and this is something like I'm probably not the only parent out there that feels this way, but like it, it it's scary because you don't know, I mean every every parent wants their kid to grow up to be just a happy and you know a happy kid and happy teenager, happy adult, and just you know live their life the way they want to. But there's also like stuff it, like, like their, their minds develop differently than you can I don't know how to explain it. like you can't exactly choose exactly how your kid's mind's going to develop. You can do you can be as much influence as you can possibly be. but you know if there's if there's a, something wrong somewhere in mm-hmm. their brain development, they can this can happen, you know right. and it's scary it's scary. To you know, anybody can say, "Well, no, there's no way my kid would do that." I'm I'm a great parent, and I teach good values and good morals and things like that, and that's great. But it, you you can't, you know, you, you I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know how much a parent should really be like how much how much like legal trouble they should get in or something like that. Uh, this is a little bit different, I think, because of the the gun scenario. Because they did buy a gun to give to their son, apparently. But I don't I don't necessarily see the harm in it being a hobby. As I said, I mean kids go youth hunting. They have mm-hmm. to learn how to shoot a gun. Now I, I don't I wouldn't take my my 15 year old to a gun range every weekend, probably, but if it's a hobby and you're teaching them the right way to handle a gun and things like that, is it that bad? I don't know. I don't, if 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 this scenario doesn't happen, is it that bad? Is what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: no, I, it's, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think yeah. you can take your your child to the gun range as much as you want. Yeah, it has to be done in, in a way, and you have to also, though. It, in my opinion, let me let me preface though before I say that by saying that I I have a feeling that we don't know all the story here either. I'm yeah. I'm sure we don't. Yeah. I, I'm, I, this kid, you know, it, it sounds like his he had some some mental problems, like he had some emotional problems. I, I, he sounded like he needed some some mental health uh, assistance in a big way before the shooting ever began. Yeah. So, and I don't know what was going on at home. And that's, that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm stepping out here and I, maybe nothing. Maybe he just had, you know, some problems with, within himself. But I have a suspicion that there's more than just that. Having said that, though, I think that it is a parent's responsibility, whether it's youth hunt or whether you're taking your kid to the shooting range every weekend until that kid is responsible for his or herself, then that parent is responsible for that child, you know, mm-hmm. and that goes for yeah. a lot of things, and it's a slippery slope, mind you. I'm not saying that legally that the, this president is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but I just think common sense-wise it makes sense that you're responsible for your kid. Now, what about a kid that gets out there and is driving his his or her car and and, and uh, kills somebody involuntarily, so manslaughter again, Right. So that I mean that could also be the case, and and where's the parent's culpability come in there? I don't know, but with a weapon, a weapon is used to kill something, right? Or or, you know, basically that's what it's for. And so when we're when we're counseling for like uh, suicidality, when someone is suspected of having suicidal ideations, and, and they may even have up to a plan, we counsel for access to lethal means, right? And so, as a parent, or or as a maybe the school counselor, I I think that there should have been some. They should have been looking into the access that this young man had to guns. Right? It's the first thing when you when you're counseling for access to lethal means. When you're trying to prevent suicide, the the first thing that you talk about is guns because it's Mm. not it's not the most it's not the most attempted uh, way to commit suicide, but it is always the most effective. Always, gunshots are the number one killer in suicide because more people try to kill themselves. You know, with other means, but it's not so easy with other ways to do it. So, um, you sh- they, they should have like, in my opinion, investigated toward that. Once again, I don't know the whole story, just based off of what we got here so far. Another reason for now, that, he, though. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was say now. You know, he's 15 years old, but he's being tried as an adult. Correct. So far, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So. Um, well, um, before I ask that question, go ahead and say what you were going to say, because I, I, I have a feeling my question might veer us into a different direction. Well,
0: okay, so let me go back to another article real quick, then. We're going to go here to a New York Times article, and as you can see here, it says, on November 30th, the morning of the shootings, a teacher observed drawings by Mr. Crumbly that raised concern. The county prosecutor, Ms. McDonald, has said that the drawing featured images of a gun a person who had been shot, a laughing emoji, and the words, blood everywhere and the thoughts won't stop, help me. So once again, warning signs. Warning signs everywhere. And it it wasn't like there's any question as to if this young man was off kilter and if he were going to do something, what would be the means by which he would, in fact, bring chaos and death? Obviously, everything was pointing to guns, right? Now, keep in mind, once again, I'm very very much pro-Second Amendment, very much. Um, I'm one of those guys that uh, I, I just think that's, that's one of the most important rights that we have given by the Constitution. But it seems like in a case like this, you know, because uh, opponents of the Second Amendment are going to use a case like this and say, look, guns are bad, guns are bad. But this wasn't just a question of guns here. This was a question of everybody else who was paying attention or the lack thereof paying attention to this young man, not putting in the necessary interventions that could have possibly prevented this crisis from
1: happening aren't the aren't the police supposed to be involved in these scenarios? like like shouldn't the police been called to be like in that meeting or is the, or is it like that just not enough?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure what like legal uh
1: what what because because of- we're we're saying this happened the same day, right? They're meeting with the parents happened the same day that the shooting happened.
0: They did they did meet with the parents the day of the shooting. Yeah. Um yeah on the on November 30th, the morning of the shootings, the teacher observed those drawings and then called the parents in. And so we're talking so far about parent responsibility here. It's a great question too about the police. Obviously the police it didn't sound like they knew anything because nobody nobody took the time to alert them. Hey, there might be a problem here. But also, you know, um the The school themselves, how much responsibility do they have? Before I get to that, though, the parents also, here's another, another twist. It came out that the parents were being sought for involuntary manslaughter because it was the gun that they provided, furnished, which when I first heard about this, I didn't even realize they, they had given the gun to the young man. I just heard that the dad had bought the gun on Black Friday. Okay, so they had furnished the gun. Now I've heard reports that they actually, it was the, the young man's gun because he gave it to him. But anyway, the parents split once they heard that they were being sought after. Does not look good on the parents' part. Like like who does that? Does. You know, if, if I'm going to and, and they, they claimed innocence. They pled innocent to uh, both of them. They're all three, all the the parents and the young man are all in the same jail in isolation, I'm sure, so that people don't get to them because I'm you know, someone would probably like to, to do the same thing to them, unfortunately. But um they pled not guilty, but when you run first, when, when you evade the, the the warrant for your arrest, that doesn't look good, right? It doesn't look good. So I don't know. Th- that might add to my suspicion about more to this story than what we know. But I think it also shows that they're like, well, we may have messed up here just, just by giving him that gun.
1: Boom. You know, why didn't we think about this before? I don't know. But uh, Me looking at that scenario, if I was trying to put myself in their shoes... It would have looked better on them if they did not run because they were in there that morning saying, no, our, we have a good kid. You know, he, he's fine. There, there's nothing to worry about. Right. Then if this shooting does happen that day, that was their alibi. Like their alibi was, we really had no idea that he was capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I'm not saying they're scot-free because they still supplied the kid with the gun, but it's a lot it's gonna look a lot better than, oh crap, we gotta we gotta get out of here. But I'm not saying I'm not for what they did, but I also know like a high anxiety situation like that, fleeing may have been the only like the best scenario in their head at the time. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. You know what? But this article also kept saying that the prosecutor was in, not the prosecutor, the attorney for them, was in contact with them because he kept saying, they'll be back, they'll be back. So I don't know if that was him stalling or if he was really in contact with them and they planned on coming back.
0: No idea. Who knows what they were up to while they were, were they just running because they were anxious or were they hiding something else? Who knows? Right. Who knows? I have no, you know, proof of anything like that. Obviously, but you know, when you do something like that, you raise questions. It's like, yeah. why did that happen? And you're right. You know, when your emotions are high, your logic is low. Right. So if you can't yep. control your emotions, then you have you don't think right. You don't think clearly. And mm-hmm. so, my emotions would be through the roof if that had just happened. You know, and my son had just done such a thing. So obviously, I, I would be in a panic too. Yeah. so and I, I'm not necessarily judging on on the basis that I would you know that I'm better than them or anything like that that necessarily that I would even do anything different. I think I would. I'm, I'm confident that I would. Just judging on from from my little seat here and, and what was going on, it seems like that they they should have made a different choice for, mm-hmm. for practical reasons and all kinds of reasons. plus if, if it were another question I have is is my son, I came to the school meeting, and this had came about, and I'm like, eh, you know, don't worry about it. My son would never do anything like that. The first thing I'm doing is going to check on my guns, though. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm getting him to make sure he doesn't have anything on him. Like, I'm going yeah. to secure the situation because at that point in time, it just seems like I would, I'm pretty sure I would feel responsible for things before they even happened
1: at that point, especially. Like, it's in your face, Right. You would also think that after that meeting, if the kid was still at school, after that meeting, they they should have probably sent the kid home with the parents and let the parents figure this whole thing out before letting the kid come back. So they, if it was like a temporary suspension type of thing or something, try to figure this stuff out before, before just letting him stay in the school when you have worries. So
0: apparently they tried. The school said, okay. hey, we think he should go home for today. And the parents said we can't take him home because we both have to go back to work or something like that. They 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 they, okay. they said that they couldn't take him back and he'd be going to an empty house. So instead of him going home to stay by himself, they kept him at school. All right. So does that take the culpability
1: off anybody? N- not really. Not really. But well, but but if the if the parent or if the uh, school was still allowing him to stay, then it's kind of more on the school at this point because they're not. I mean, apparently he, they weren't keeping an eye on him the way they needed to for this to be able to happen.
0: Well, uh, once again, I guess they could go back and forth because the school said, hey, we, we can't keep him here. He needs to go home. Parents like, well, we, we're not going home, so he's got to stay here. But at, at some point, I'll bring it up in a second, but the culpability still, it, it does lie with the school still. But if you're like, if well, you're a parent big, though, if you're a parent, how I, do you just let how you just let that happen? I would be going home for the day from my job just yeah, to talk to right, my son. Right. And so, I,
1: yeah, I I don't know. I, I just the the school thing bothers me at this point because I'm thinking, okay, I understand if you say, hey, you should probably we should probably send your son home with you, and they say I'm not going home, they still need to be like, listen we do not feel like for the safety of the rest of the school and all of these other kids that we is our responsibility to take care of while they're here. This kid is not going to stay here today. Yeah. And then, and then it should have been all on the parents.
0: I I agree. I agree. But once again, if I'm a parent, I should have said, Hey, my kid's not staying at school today because we're going to go home and I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to see what's up because he's obviously under distress Right here, if you look at this, at this article here, and this is another uh, New York Times article, it says Catherine J. Ross, a law professor at George Washington University and expert on student rights, said she found the school's reaction truly astounding. So this goes to your argument, Colt. It was well within the school's rights to require Mr. Crumbley, who has since pleaded not guilty to murder and terrorism charges, to leave campus, Professor Ross said. So it, it was the school's, not even, I mean, she quoted it was their right. To say that he, you know, couldn't be at school anymore, in my opinion, it should have been their responsibility, right, Mm -hmm. to say that no, and and to me, if if the parents weren't going to take him home, why wasn't law enforcement called? I mean, this, I mean, we, maybe it's just been too long ago since we've had a a school shooting. It doesn't seem like it. Like three years ago, doesn't seem like that long ago, right? But Mm -hmm. it seems like we have like called in reinforcements for a lot less than this. This kid, it looked like he was like actively under, under a, a, you know some kind of distress, or just that he had some ideation that was leaning toward this crisis happening, and, and so many balls were dropped by so many people, and it's hard for me to understand. Once again, as a Monday morning quarterback, um, it's it's hard for me to understand why something wasn't done in an intervention, and all this time, let's not forget though, that while we're arguing or, or discussing, debating about who should be responsible and who shouldn't are four dead kids, man. Four, four kids Absolutely. who had their lives taken and the parents that had to that have to, uh, you know, suffer that loss. And uh, you know, there's nothing we can do about that loss now except try our best to make
1: sure that the protocols and interventions set in place, um, that right, we don't have it, that to happen o- again. Yeah, not only the parents of the kids who lost their lives, but also the parents of all the other kids in the school who now feel like, their kids are not safe at that school. Yeah, right? That the there aren't protocols in place and they're, they're, the right measures have not been taken to make sure that their kids are safe. Mm-hmm. You and, know, and it sucks that these kinds of things have to happen before you put measures in place to make sure that your kids the kids are safe.
0: Yeah, I agree. And when you when you say those parents, man, I you know, I know that we're not close to that that school district, but it, it ripples down into in, in everywhere as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, it, it's a constant. Uh, I shouldn't say constant, but it's a consistent thought that I have. I worry about sending my kids to school and what kind of
1: protocols and measures they have. Who's watching? I mean, Who, who's keeping? I their, mean, I, no, I, I say, I say it sucks that they have to wait until something like this happens before they put the protocols and measures in. But the other side of that is, it sucks that they have to. You know, like it sucks that we even have to worry about anything like that. Mm-hmm. I. When I was growing up and I was in school, I never, ever would have thought that that would be an issue. That there, there would ever, you know, that something like that would ever happen. I never would have thought that a school would have to have uh, metal detectors and stuff like that that you would have to walk through to get into the school. I never would have thought of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if it's just a different time or if that's even. A, I don't even know if that's an excuse. Uh, you know, I think it's just. I I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. It's scary. But but the question I was going to ask you a while ago. Was, you know, you work with uh, a, a lot of patients who, you know, you you kind of rehabilitate them to get back into society, right? Right. So, this kid is 15 years old and he's being tried as an adult. Um, is it possible for some, a kid like this to be rehabilitated? To not, you know, not get the death penalty to, you know, to to actually at some point get back out on his own. Do you think, I mean, I know there's a lot of measures you'd have to take and a lot of stuff you'd have to go through to see that. But just like on the surface level of this whole scenario, looking at it, do you think it, if he, if he pleads insanity and he, and he gets it, could he ever be rehabbed to be put back out on his own?
0: I think there are a lot of variables that you'd have to consider there. And most of them are individual variables particular to that person. And I don't, I don't know that person well enough to be able to really come up with a a good opinion of that, but just generally, you know, the, I I don't know, it depends on his mind state. Is he really insane? Like, like where, I mean, there has to be, you would think, I guess there has to be something really uh, maladaptive in, in this kid's thought processes for, for someone to be able to actually pull that off, to, to actually go into a school and shoot people, right? I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about whether this kid was bullied. You know, usually that's the case. Like with uh, the, the two kids at Columbine, they were, they were bullied. Um, the, the one at Sandy hook, I believe he had a really, really, uh, a big issue with, with his mom. He had like a, for lack of a better term, just a mommy issue that really drove him to, and he was, I think looking, looking at him, he was obviously had some, some pretty significant mental issues. Um, this kid right here, I don't know with with uh, Crumley. It's it's I, I haven't even heard him talk yet. I haven't heard him speak yet. I have no idea what his what his mind state is, whether or not he was heavily bullied or whether or not he was being. I don't want to speculate on, on what was going on at the house or anything like that, because who knows. But generally, people. I mean, the 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 crimes who are the hardest to rehabilitate back into society are those that are. Um, uh, sexual in nature. Um, those kinds of, those kinds of crimes and those, the, the mindset that people have when they're committing those crimes is some of the hardest ones for, for people to really co- be considered rehabilitated over years and years and years. That's why a lot of your prison systems around will have, um, those particular, they have to be set aside for a lot of your, you know, people who are involved in child molestation and things of that nature. Because you, they'll get killed, but also because they, they don't ever really consider them reformed enough to let back into society.
1: Did you see, I think I seen it on Facebook, and it was recent, though, but I think it was a viral video that was going around. Did you see the video of that judge who went off on the guy she was charging with uh, uh, molestation of two children? I did not. In a, in a, in a daycare? And uh, I think he got like 22 years in prison for, uh, for molestation of two different kids in a daycare. And uh, it was really like powerful, the, the speech that she gave to the guy, which basically said, you know, you, there's parents of these kids who are, uh, you know, tr- entrusting in a daycare that they can take their kids there when they're not home to and watch them and you know and you are taking the lives of these children mm-hmm. because of your actions you know and the guy just kind of just stood there and watched like talk to her not like or, i mean not talk to her but like just stood there and, and listened to what she had to say he didn't act sad he didn't act mad or anything like that um i mean do you think that most people are born like that's just something they're born with that that's their that's where their satisfaction comes from I don't know. And, and, and there's there's not really i mean i don't know how I mean, I guess that can come from if it happened to you when you were a kid, and that you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, but that's that's man.
0: a that's a lot of where a lot of those the the origins of, of the dysfunctional thinking comes from is when something happens to someone, it's just like it, it's passed on, you know. Then uh, that's somehow that it resurfaces as if that is what they also have to do to someone else, and so. Yeah. But some people they don't, they don't, as far as you know is known, they don't have the same. Past, they don't have the same traumatic history, and so for some reason there's some there's a misfire in their brain that causes them to do something like that. And a lot of them, if you listen to their to what they say afterwards when they're caught and they're in prison, they're interviewed. A lot of them verbalize that they just couldn't help themselves; like it was a drive, it was something that wouldn't leave them alone. They they were drawn to it, you know.
1: And, and I, I and I, you know I, I don't that's hard for people to understand, I think, right? Like you probably understand it more because of the people, like the people that you deal with and stuff like that. But I don't, like the the whole thing we've talked about over the last couple of weeks about how like you can choose one thought over the other, you know, it, it go it goes back to that. We can do that. Some people can't like, I, I can't, I can't imagine what it would feel like to have an urge so strong that you can't physically stop yourself from going towards it no matter how wrong that you know, it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's
0: crazy. I agree. And and going back to um, crumbly, I think that that would be one of the biggest indicators for me. Like if I were the guy who was going to decide whether or not this guy could ever be rehabilitated, I I would want to know whether or not he could have chose one thought over another. So, so what happened to cause that, 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 what triggered in his brain for him to think this is this is what I'm going to do? What was that turning point that that thing that caused him to to do that? And I right. think for for me that that helps in to decide something about that person so that you could kind of you know determine whether or not they could ever be anything different. But you know on that note, if you're a family member of one of the the kids who got killed, I, I think for me if if I was to think about it. I would almost want him to be cognizant, to be uh, understand, to fully understanding of what he did, be fully aware of it, and then spend the rest of his life in prison, right, with that understanding, with with uh, with the full weight of the guilt and the the, uh, the awareness of the turmoil that he caused. Mm-hmm. It, but it's so it, it's such a hard thing, though, because. You know, especially, and I don't know much about his home life yet, we don't know, but for a lot of these people, you know, their, their home life was a wreck, and so they were products of this cycle that happens. And so it, it's it's very difficult for a lot of these crimes that are committed against other people uh, because it didn't just start with the shooting of, of these kids. It started way back before that. The origins are so complex you know, and and there's so many reasons. Charlie Manson had reasons why he did what he did, you know? Yeah. I, I like to, that's that's one of my favorite examples, when, when people say, well, you know, he's just a kid, or he's just, well, Charlie Manson was once a kid whose mom was a prostitute, and who would, you know, leave him, you know, he, she neglected him and abandoned him, and he grew up, you know, with this, you know, sociopathic idealization of himself, and, and it went from there, and he recruited others to commit crimes that he wanted to do himself, but he had the power over it. Those kinds of things. Everything has an origin, right? Yeah. So whose fault was it? Was it really Charlie's? It was it his mom's, and and what had happened to his mom in order to
1: make her that way? You know, it's this vicious cycle. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't know, and, and it may not necessarily be that his home life was a wreck. His home life, home life may have been fine, but th- you know, what if going to the range and shooting guns is the only thing that he really has in common with his parents or that, that, that they, that they really do together, you know, that, that can probably trigger something to say, well, you know, th- this is, this is my go-to like sh- shooting a gun is my go-to, you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard, hard to know. He, he could, maybe not necessarily neglected, but maybe he, maybe he does distance himself and he's, he's a loner, you know, a lot of times it's, it's loner kids that, do this kind of stuff. And the parents just don't keep a close enough eye on it. I think that's the important thing too, is, you know, if you're a parent, no matter how good you think your kid is, you know, just because they're, they hang out in their bedroom all day long, that's not necessarily a good sign all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you might think they're a good kid. They would never hurt anybody, but you know, keep an eye on your kids. I don't care if they're in your household, you need to know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I, I feel like they would have, you know, if, if they found that drawing at school, there's probably a, a lot more drawings in his bedroom. I would imagine. Maybe not, but I would imagine. I would imagine this isn't just a one, oh, this is the first drawing that I made kind of thing.
0: Yeah, if not drawings, warning signs, period. I, I, would, yes. I would guarantee there's been warning signs for this kid that have been going on, and I think there's enough neglect to go around for everybody to be responsible to some degree. Not that anybody yep. should be off the hook necessarily, but my goodness, find a solution to the problem. You know, and, and as parents, I agree with you. We, you know, look for the look for the warning signs in, in your children. Um, and if there are no warning signs, then just make sure that you're still close to them and looking to see what's what they're looking at. Um, you should always be looking for the littlest things. I, I don't care. It seems like the, you can look for the small things, and even though there are no warning science per se, you can still find educational moments to at least talk to your kids, even through so- Socratic questioning, you know, where you ask them questions where you already know the answer, but you want to see what they have to say. You ask them those questions and and see where their mindset's at, you know, see what right. they think about what's going on in the world today, if, if they know anything. Like, you know, as your kids get older, they start to become aware of their environment, they become aware of what's going on in the news more and more. And they, be, you can watch your kids be aware of cuss words and, and they, they start learning about sex, you know, and they start learning about these things from school, right? Even if it's mm-hmm. not from the teachers, it's from the other students who, you know, expose them to these things. So you just ask them questions and be aware. And I think that if you do that, hopefully you have a, a better chance of, you know, avoiding something like this ever happening. I would, I, I hope so. That's, that's my goal, you know.
1: So, I mean, in in reality, on the with us being on the outside looking in and not necessarily knowing all of the facts, uh, you know, it, it's hard. We can have our personal opinions, but it's hard to really know what's going on, you know. And we may never know exactly what's you know what's going on, but I'm sure stuff more stuff will surface over time.
0: Right, I agree, and I th- you know the uh, the overriding topic for today is personal responsibility. So. It's not that I think that I am the master of responsibility. Believe me, I have my ups and downs. But um, I think that talking about situations like we do, talking about the different topics like we do is the first start. And so I like to discuss it because I like to make myself more responsible. And uh, I hope that it makes me a better person in the long run. And I hope that other people can listen to this and start to think about it for yourself and for your lives. And you might even have some good ideas out there too. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. And we don't hear enough from, from you folks out there. So I'd love to hear more about what uh, personal responsibility means to you. And uh, you can hit us up on the socials and hit us up at the, at the email and visit the new and improved website. It's kind of, it's still kind of new. It's still kind of new and improved, right? It's been a while now. But I still like to say that. It's probably a year ago now that we, uh, Colt, Colt actually put all the work into the website. This, well, I, this last I, I, round. Well,
1: yeah, It was a little over a year because I revamped it while I was out on COVID, with, with COVID. So perfect. perfect. <laughs> I, mean, I think it was like in October of last year or something like that. It's yeah. crazy. That it's been a year already. That's a
0: good use of your COVID time though.
1: It, it is. I, I don't like that I'm using COVID when I had COVID as a milestone, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's how I remember things. It works. <laughs> that, that that two weeks that I was off of work, that, w- that wasn't fun. Uh-huh. I was trying to do something creative with it. <laughs> there you go. At least you got it done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Good stuff. Yes, sir. Recording stopped.